Welcome to On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis, a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. This podcast is titled Teen Depression and Anxiety, What Are the Long-Term Implications? I'm John Williams from WGN Radio, and joining us are Carlene Cardosi, LCSW, CADC. She is the Rosecrans Regional President, and Sandra Konezovich, CADC, a Rosecrans unit coordinator with a long history of leadership and treatment for substance use and mental health disorders. Rosecrans has grown to more than 60 locations across Chicago, Northern Illinois and Central Illinois, Wisconsin and Iowa. Rosecrans is a private not-for-profit organization offering comprehensive nationally accredited evidence-based addiction and mental health treatment for children, teens, young adults and adults. In this series, we will focus on youth and their pandemic-related recovery. Knowing that young people face challenges in the best of times, the coronavirus world of 2020 and 2021 have made some of life's obstacles even more acute. Ladies, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, John. Well, that's a long introduction, and what a downer, huh? (laughs) Um, is Is it acute? Is it worse than it has been in the past? Is this a such a unique set of circumstances that we are talking about something different here? I think it is a unique set of circumstances as we haven't been through a pandemic before. Um, so what we can look at is what we had before and now look at some of the symptoms that we see now. Right now they're saying one in three adolescents would actually get the diagnosis of anxiety. So that is a really large number when you think of all the kids in schools or in colleges. Um, that many kids right now are being affected by anxiety. Would you say something along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, in treatment, we have definitely seen an uptake in in those symptoms and have needed to alter our approach to uh, meet that need for the the clients they're currently struggling with. How so? You say alter your approach. Yeah, be um, um, provide that social connection that they're lacking, like Carlene mentioned, from school or sports or um, whatever their outside connection um, support network would usually look like. Um, We have introduced some virtual opportunities for families to be part of treatment as well and, and have that family connection while, while they're receiving help. I wonder if um, in almost every sector of society, we've learned to do things differently as a result of the pandemic. Do you anticipate some changes in the way a Rosecrans will be working in the future? Well, during the pandemic, Rosecrans made some very quick and intentional changes with the way that we deliver services. You know, historically, we have been doing in-person services. You go and see your clinician, you go into treatment, um, and we were able to do telehealth. So, you know, because of that, Rosecrans never stopped services during this entire pandemic. We were able to keep the doors open so that if people wanted to come in and felt more comfortable doing face-to-face sessions, we had the, the ability to do that. Or if they felt more comfortable uh, doing it from their home, we were able to do some of those telehealth sessions as well. So what are some of the things that maybe families are seeing? I, I, if, if this pandemic has made it a little different, let's start there. What are the kids doing or what are the parents catching? Well, I think some of the things that parents are seeing are their children becoming more, isolating themselves more, spending more time in their rooms, spending more time behind screens, and uh, not necessarily being open about how they're feeling or the struggles of going through this pandemic, and not always knowing how to advocate for what it is that they need. And would you say that this may be true even for kids who might not have been 
going down that path, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that, wow, I never expected that this young man or woman would be in this space and suddenly they are. Is, is that true, too? I believe so. I think, you know, the adolescents are grieving, losing a lot of these very important experiences at school, whether it be graduation, going to prom, going out on dates, all of these things that are very important for for our teens. You use the word grieving. Would you use that word, too? That sounds like a lot. I think it's probably more than that. I know some of the feedback that we give to parents is not to minimize how they're feeling. I remember prom, and that was a while ago, and all, you know, you look forward to that or graduation, and you're missing out or that launch to life to college. And those, I think grieving is, is a very good word to use. And I also think for parents as well, they're grieving what they thought their child would be doing as well. Yeah. Well, the focus of this conversation is supposed to be about long-term implications. And you only had one chance to to go to prom, right? Mm-hmm. You only had one senior year, junior year, whatever it was that you were going to have. You only had one chance to play on the varsity basketball team. And if those seasons were canceled, you've lost that. And I think the adults in the world think, well, I had that in my life and I've moved on. Kid, maybe you could or should too. I wonder if that's an easy thing for a child or, or a person in that moment to do, you know? I think it's easier for us to say, hey, you you know, prom wasn't that big of a deal. 20 right. years later, you look at the That's picture and you think, man, that wasn't a very pretty prom I- dress. Right. But what if you had the opportunity just to play the what if game that whole time? What if I would have went? What if I played? Would I have gotten a scholarship? What if my son could have taken the ACT and done better? So I think for us, it's really going to be about reframing those thoughts moving forward, being able to help them see the other side of that. And does that make what you do at Rosecrans different then? Because now you are having to sort of anticipate the long-term implications of maybe a generation of kids here, certainly a couple of school years of kids who have missed these opportunities, right? Yeah, I think so. I think also helping the parents navigate how to validate those feelings and those experiences and not minimize the the difficulties that the teens have faced over the past year and, and learn how to support them with the means that they have available to them. Yeah. Um, and then how does it go from there? That, that That's awful. What a shame to substance or alcohol abuse. I mean, can you kind of walk me through that a little bit? Sure. I mean, some of the reasons is they don't have the ability to cope in a different way. So, you know, as a teen, we don't, we don't like the feeling. I don't like feeling I've missed out. I don't like feeling that disconnect between myself and my family or my friends or that I'm not playing that sport. And it's uncomfortable. And they might not know how to sit with that uncomfortable feeling. And so one of the options is to numb it. And we can numb it with alcohol. We can numb it with drugs. We can numb it with bad friendships. We might be able to numb it just by shutting down and not coming out of our room and having some of those depressive symptoms as well. And so it's it's a way in which they can not feel the pain that they're going through. And I wonder if in the absence of all of these traditional means of interacting and finding support with your peers or school or whatever, I wonder if the onus is now more on the parents. They need to be a little more proactive about the mental health or these issues with their kids because they're the only line of defense right now. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I know that we'd also talked about there are certain situations where that family or that household may not be the kid's safe place. Mm. And for us, that's the really hard piece because it's only your family who might have eyes on you right now. You don't have that supportive school counselor or the coach or somebody else who might have been your support. So for the kids that their family's not their safe place, how do we still reach them? How do we, how do we, 
inform that family of the help that Rosecrans has to offer as well. Hmm. Would you add to that? Absolutely. And then just to add, you know, helping educate the parents on what to look for. What are the signs? How, what are the resources available to you as a parent to um, tap into so that you can either get treatment or some support for yourself or for your child? Yeah, this is, um, I guess, uniquely challenging for parents, too, as monitors of their kids' mental health that way. And you don't want to make things worse. We talked about this in another one of our conversations with some of your colleagues. I think some parents fear that if they address it, if they sort of poke around these issues, they're going to make it worse. The kid will get angry, and then by golly, they will take drugs or alcohol. Um, But I've been told that that, it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Really, it's about opening up that conversation and creating a safe place for that child or adolescent to talk about their feelings. So, you know, I I think we have to be mindful of the timing. If you're getting ready to talk to your kid about something difficult, make sure that you're in the right spot, that as the parent or the one that's giving the services as well, that, that you feel good about the conversation. You're creating a safe spot for that adolescent to be able to talk about what they're going through. And you have to be okay with what they're going to say, which I think is the really scary part for the parent is, are you prepared to hear what that what your child might be feeling. And Sandra, I'll bet that some parents don't do what she just said, and that is pick the right time and place. You know, I suspect these normally happen as flashpoints and not as thoughtful conversations. Yeah, and I think the intention is always good. It's parents sometimes operate out of fear and out of their own anxiety and want what's best for their child, but they don't always know. And I think that um, we've provided a lot of support and, and have helped families learn how to better navigate those difficult conversations. Well, I hope somebody listening to this conversation, regardless of the state of mental health of their kid or the level of communication, is is just thinking along these lines lines. Um, parents need education, too, about how to deal with their kids. And I, I don't know who's providing that as a general rule, you know. Right. And I think, you know, that's that's why we like to talk about what we have to offer and be able to say, hey, you can go on the Rosecrans website. We can give you telehealth sessions over the phone. Let us help you help your child during this time. It's unprecedented. We haven't been through a pandemic before. We're not sure what's going to come out on that other side. Well, does your staff feel like they make progress on telehealth or on Zoom calls? Are those efficacious? Yeah, I believe so. I think so. Absolutely. Um, I think we get to see a, a client come in or a child come in lacking a lot of these coping skills. And by the time they have that next session or by the time they leave treatment and go home, we see them um, demonstrate the ability to implement those skills that the clinicians and the staff have been teaching. Long term, if a child does go through something like this, is that always there then? Is there always the concern for a relapse? Or once we've gotten over this hump, are we good to go now? Can you kind of talk to parents a little bit about what the future is like after an episode like this? I mean, I think we're always going to keep our due diligence to see if we see any of the warning signs. It's like any other health condition. There are warning signs for when the conditioning is worsening. And so for mental health, if you're starting to see your loved one isolate or there's a change in their sleeping habits, maybe in their eating habits, that you might be a little bit more um, attention-driven or detail-driven to ask the question sooner. And the same with substance abuse. We, we can't say that you're going to be you know, healed uh, after treatment or during treatment. It's going to be a journey. Um, but our goal is that you might recognize the symptoms before that. Is one method of dealing with it or counseling with it, either from your staff or a parent's position, um, you know, pound the table, anger, volume, 
absolute – you're laughing as though that's a silly question. Maybe I now know your answer. But I think sometimes put your foot down mm-hmm. is a tool parents think is in their box. That's that's not the way it works? Um, I do think it's in their box. And I think sometimes that could be the problem that that's the only tool they have in their box. I think there's a time and place for setting a limit um, and being able to give your child structure and accountability. I also think that the delivery of the structure and the accountability – will make or break that interaction. If that loved one or child doesn't have the safe place to say how they're feeling, there could just be more anger and resentment, more depression, more anxiety now about even coming to talk to my parent. Hmm. You know, I, I we've as we talk about Rosecrans at WGN Radio, we often say that kids are resilient. So parents, don't give up hope. Uh, be hopeful that the kids will get through this, but you're going to need some help with this, and that's okay. Um, how resilient are kids, or what are you? What is your staff hearing from them about their own personal abilities to get through this? I think just innately, children or adolescents are resilient. Um, but without that ongoing support, I think that resiliency will be very difficult to uphold. I think um, in most situations, everyone needs some level of support, so some ongoing connection to either positive peers or professionals to kind of continue to help keep a warm pulse on on some of those things. Well, as these kids come out of their houses and go back into classrooms and back onto the soccer teams. What should teachers and coaches be thinking about or looking for? Have you guys thought and talked about that too? We have. We've had a lot of, you know, Rosecrans has had a lot of meetings with schools who are saying, how can you support us? We know that this last 18 months has changed kids, whether that be their learning ability, going from in-person to virtual. There are certain uh, learning types that might not have done so well. There are kids who struggled with social interactions before the isolation. So we have people asking, hey, how can you help us help these kids? Can you help us with groups? Can you come in and do individual sessions? How do we not allow it to get to a crisis? but step in before. Is it fair to tell the kids when they go back to the classroom and they're in more traditional settings, okay, it's back to where we used to be. I wonder if it's going to be a hybrid kind of within the classroom as a result. I think it's going to have to get to whatever that new normal is to to set ourselves up and say, we want you to behave the same way that you behaved prior. I think that might be unrealistic because we have 18 months where we don't know what happened to them in their household. Um, And so I think we go in with understanding that this is going to be a learning curve for everybody, teachers included. You now have, you know, 18 kids in your classroom where, you know, having them on a Zoom call is difficult, but having 18 kids now in person could be just as difficult or more. Yeah, would you echo that? It might be a completely different thing walking in the classroom now. Absolutely. I would uh, strongly advise anyone in that role to take a deep breath, listen, be patient. It will be, I think, a big learning curve for everybody. Why? Why do you say that? I I think there's just um, a lot of power in being able to sit with someone and allow someone that space to feel support. And and we don't always have to have the perfect thing to say or an answer or a solution in the moment. So I I think for those teachers or like Carlene mentioned, coaches, being very mindful of the interactions and if they're noticing their students or their athletes isolate again or kind of display some of those same symptoms. Because why? Because we're fearful that this is a red flag that they're drinking or using drugs or simply they need a, they need more time and space to cope in the moment. 
What are we talking about here? I think it could be either. I think this is where we're going to have to rely on some of those interpersonal skills to be able to ask the difficult question and ask them, are are we just looking for space or is something else going on? And while I do think telehealth, we've had a lot of success at Rosecrans being able to see the clients, there's something very different than sitting in a room with somebody and feeling that energy and being able to, to really see that full body language that they're giving us. And so I think when they go back to school, there's going to be a lot of interpretations of these behaviors um, and what we're seeing and then what type of services can Rosecrans provide in that community to help that community rebuild and help that school rebuild and help the families. Is that a new direction that a Rosecrans could go is working with families, but also, or, or have you all along worked with school districts or teams or leagues? Right. We have all, all along worked with schools uh, in, in the areas that we're in. We have staff members in schools. We have crisis teams that are called out. You know, obviously our goal at Rosecrans is not to have kids in crisis and be able to step in prior, but we are prepared for the fall and being able to say, okay, how do we become more proactive at Rosecrans? How do we explain to the community the benefit of having a clinician at the school? And, and how do we step in before kids or adolescents are in crisis? Because I do think it's going to happen. I think coming back to uh, a school setting is going, we just talked about it, there's going to be more anxiety on the school teacher's part, on the kid's part, on the parent's part. And and that makes us all feel uncomfortable. And so what can we do to help relieve some of that? Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking of coaches. Some of them are yellers. Some of them are tough coaches. And maybe that's not going to be Mm-hmm. A very good way to go right now to say nothing of uh, – maybe you would expect a teacher or a counselor to be more sympathetic, but some coaches aren't. Some are. But all I'm saying is I wonder if uh, that sort of tough love attitude probably needs to be dialed down a notch mm-hmm. under some circumstances right Right. Now, going forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's going to be a different dynamic. The kids, are, the kids aren't even going to be as used to it. If I have not seen my coach in a year, all of a sudden I'm happy to see him, and he's yelling at me because I'm not running as fast as I once did, or can't lift as much as much as I once did. That again is going to be a different relationship. Right, and now I've burst out into tears, and mm-hmm. I've stomped my foot, or I'm not acting like myself, and yet that may well be a normal reaction too. That's not evidence of mm-hmm. any great problem. It's just, dang, we're trying to get used to interacting again. Right. And I've got 18 months of emotional baggage that I've been carrying around. Absolutely. And I, I don't know. Are you all used to working with that or has the <laughs> pandemic made this a little, a little different for Rosecrans? I think we're to a degree definitely used to working and prepared to work with with those situations. I think that we as professionals also have been impacted by the pandemic and need to make sure that we stay self-aware and take care of ourselves as well so we can take care of others. Yeah, I'm glad you made that point. I know we have to wrap this conversation up now, but that, that's interesting, isn't it? As much as we're talking about the kids and the maybe parents or the coaches, the, the counselors and the support staff probably have been going through a lot, too, and, and may yet go mm-hmm. through a lot, I suppose. Huh? Right. Yeah, I mean, we take pride in the fact that Rosecrans didn't close its doors and that we continue to serve clients both in person and in telehealth. But at the same time, you know, everybody has lived through a pandemic, including the staff at Rosecrans and everybody else. That's Carlene Cardosi, LCSW, CADC, the Rosecrans Regional President, and Sandra Knezovich, CADC, Rosecrans Unit Coordinator. I'm John Williams, and this is On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis. 
With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Click on rosecrans.org or call 866-330-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting. 